0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're finishing up our work in The Art of Possibility, this most excellent book. In fact, a, a New York Times best-selling book by Rosamund and Benjamin Zander. And so far this month, we've been talking about the idea of what we need to do, what we can do to open our horizons to more possibilities of life. So often we find ourselves in a position of doing the same old thing, time after time after time, and just wishing for a different outcome, wishing and hoping that things would be different. And I have the suspicion that sometimes the answers to our problems, the new ways of being are right, there in front of us. So this month has been about exploring those greater possibilities. I want to start by talking about one of the key problems to possibility thinking. The Xanders say that there is one particular thing that nearly all humans do that prevent us from finding life's possibilities. And I found a joke that is absolutely the epitome of this problem, I think. So a young man goes to see his science of mind practitioner and she asks him, what's up? What brings you here today? Well, says the young man, primarily it's the headache. Seems like I get a headache every day lately. Of course, I am so stressed out it might be causing it. My boss hates me and my work environment is a living hell. My coworkers are so lazy that I'm having to put in extra hours nearly every day. And of course, they don't pay me for it. The HR department is terrible. They should enforce those overtime rules more explicitly. The company, in fact, could be fined for taking advantage of its workers that way. Of course, I don't dare quit, the company's pension is the only thing that's going to keep me alive now that the social security system is going bankrupt, and and I can't count on that. Plus, you know, my lazy partner never earns a dime, the bastard. It's a wonder we can even pay our bills, what with the economy in a slump and our expenses spiraling out of sight. We had to drop our TV service and going out to eat in order to make up for the increase in our other bills, and that means we sit home night after night with nothing to do but worrying about our failing health and the, and the slim prospects of ever retiring. The doctor says my blood pressure has never been higher and is worried that my cholesterol level is going to send me to an early grave. Not that I trust that quack. He's just trying to get my money so that his kids can go to a better college. I'm surprised that the medical center doesn't get more complaints about him, but then they're just interested in collecting the insurance money anyway." Well, the young man finally stops to catch his breath for a second, and then he smiles up at his practitioner. You know what, he says, I feel a little better already. (laughs) This science of mind stuff really works. My headache is completely gone. The practitioner sadly shakes her head. Not really, she says. (laughs) And so yes, you guessed it. Rosamond and Benjamin Zander call it the downward spiral of complaints and blame." Has anyone here ever thrown a good old-fashioned pity party for themselves? Can, can we take ownership of that? All right. Nearly, everybody. Just one of those days when, good gosh, it seems like nothing has gone right. Everything you touch turned to, well, you know what. And it seems like the whole universe is there to just kind of point a finger at you and say, ha, 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 Right? And don't we almost kind of get into it, right? How terrible this was and how terrible that was and how short-sighted this was and what a nightmare this could have been. And and don't we? And And then to embellish it even a little more, isn't it kind of fun to affix the blame? It's the government that's doing this to me. It's my crazy boss. It's my teenage children that are making my life a living hell and so on and so forth. And I gotta tell you, that is the surest way to limit your possibilities. Now, now you may want to think of it just in terms of, well, if I'm angry and pissed off all the time, what can I expect in the world? I'm going to expect to see more evidence of, of my life being something to be angry and pissed off about. I mean, that is the science of mind way to think of it, that what we focus on will increase. But I want to suggest it does something even more fundamental when we complain, we are saying there is only one possible outcome that will suit me and I'm not getting it. We are excluding the 99.9999999% of the infinite possibilities out there and we're focusing on one particular expectation that we have, and we're saying, it ain't cutting it. And because of it, my life is a living hell. Now think about this for a minute. We are excluding infinity to focus on one thing that is upsetting to us right now. We are limiting the entire universe of bringing us love and light and joy and peace, right? If the universe is is infinite, then there's an infinite ways that we can have our needs met to be joyous, to be free, to have that sense of all good things. And I'm saying, no, it's because you did this one thing. My life is a shambles. Do you see how narrowing that is? And then on top of that, not only will we tend to complain about it, but then our next job, of course, is to what? To affix blame. And it's your fault. It's the government's fault. It's the social security system's fault. It's the the medical clinic's fault. It's my doctor's fault. It's my children's fault. It's It's the fault of the carpet that's wearing out after we just paid to have it cleaned, right? It's like you can find an infinity of things, and it's always going to be in this scenario of the downward spiral, it will be blamed on someone else. And you know what? When you blame someone or something else, in addition to just being in a mood, you end up also saying, I can only get my good from that other person. So again, you are limiting the infinite nature of the universe by saying, my good comes from the doctor. My good only comes from social security. The love and the light and the joy that I want to experience in this light only comes from my spouse or whoever. And and by the way, <laughs> they're not even doing it. So So, so it's like the double whammy. We're going to exclude all the other ways of experiencing life and focus on the dark and dirty, whatever it is. So I'm going to use a, an example uh, from my life just to show you how crazy it can be. So many of you who came to our divine dining party this year know that we put in a fish pond. And of course, with putting in a fish pond as well, duh, there's fish. But what we discovered, there's also about a million other things. You need to make sure the water has the right pH and the water is being aerated. You need to use chemicals sometimes to limit the amount of algae that grows because the fish like some of it, but not too much of it. And gosh, we're reading on the internet and our head's about to explode and I get the idea. Well, I will Google a pond store, and they'll go and we'll go and they'll help us. And so sure enough, there is one out on Sunset Highway, and we drive all the way out there. And the, the gentleman there was telling us about well, this product does this, and this product does this, and you can get this pump that'll aerate the pond. And of course, you'll want two different kinds of food because they like one kind of food when the water is a certain temperature, and another kind of food when the water is colder, and then in certain times of the year you don't feed them at all or they'll explode and 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 so so we end up with like $300 worth of pond supplies which was the other thing I discovered about having a fish pond is it can be expensive and so we come home and we're reading all this stuff and I'll be darned if we ended up buying quite a bit of the wrong stuff one of the big things that was expensive that was to adjust the pH, well, it was after we tested the water, it was going to adjust the pond the wrong way. We needed like the other one. And one of the foods was actually more appropriate for goldfish than for koi. And so, so of course, we're reading up all this, and we're getting smarter, right? We're learning more about ponds and pond supplies. And so we get in the car, and we drive back down to exchange our stuff. And we go in, and we, we put the probably about $100 worth of stuff. We're Returning on the table, and the man says, "Well, what 's that?" And well, we 're returning these supplies. we got the wrong ones. No returns, and no refunds. This is just a regular retail store, right? We weren't buying sale items or anything, and the guy, guy could tell that I 'm like like drawn a blank, right?" because he kind of puts one hand on his hip and points down to this little sign on the cash <laughs> register. No returns, no refunds. And so I'm, of course, the science of my minister, right? So I don't get mad, I'm fine with it. I kind of walk a little closer to him and have kind of a smile and I said, no, you don't seem to understand. We're, we're wanting to set up a relationship with you here. We're not just like going to return these things and fly out of here. The plan is to exchange them for the ones we want. And we're new pond owners. We'll probably be in here every season getting one darn thing or another. You know, this is about relationships and, and, and wanting to stick by each other. And, you know, we help your business and you help us with our pond. And the man now put the other hand on the other hip and said, Was I not clear there are no refunds and no exchanges. Well about that time the minister and me sort of left and I I s- I know, and, and although we weren't to be satisfied that day, on the way home, I'm actually kind of starting to think mean-like, you know? I mean, we put this on our Visa card, maybe we can deny the charges on our Visa and say that we returned the items, or, and, and Daniel has this idea, well, at least we can put a really nasty review on Yelp. And so, you know, we're, like, plodding away. But two days later, I'm a little calmer. I haven't done anything. And so I call the store back. Could I please talk to the manager? It was just a retail person. I'll talk to the manager. And so uh, whoever it was says, well, can I have your name? And I'll put, go get the manager. So the manager gets on the line. Are you the Mr. King that they warned me my call? <laughs> I understand you were abusive to our employee, (laughs) right? So, oh gosh, I'm reared up. But I gotta tell you, my partner Daniel has a thought. And he said, you're really working up into something, aren't you? And I'm like, well, we could take them to small claims court, I just don't. And he said, now, let's wait a minute. What is the goal here? Well, the goal is that, you know, we have a healthy fish pond with fish that are growing and thriving. And he says, "And how much energy are you going to put into blaming these people for things not turning out the way you wanted? And I'm like, oh, I'm married to the minister now, (laughs) right? Because, of course, I was worked up into that negative spiral of complaining and blaming. And what good, ultimately, would that get me? We could spend a lot of money, maybe, and hire a lawyer. I don't know. How would that help our sweet fish in the pond? He also pointed out a couple other things. He pointed out the fact that now I also knew how to use Yelp. And so so I, I pulled up the website Yelp and, and looked up that pond store And if I had used it, I would have known they already had about 300 complaints. So now, I'm a wiser shopper, right? So this process brought about actually some really good things. The other thing we discovered from being on the internet is the prices there were bizarrely high. We found like four or five places with free shipping that would bring us the things we actually needed that would be much cheaper even if we exchanged the ones that we had bought. So the net result was we actually saved money as well as learned a better way to shop as well as we released all that BS building up in us around limiting our possibilities. As soon as the bandwagon of blaming and complaining was put aside, what happened? We saw possibilities. The possibilities of new ways of shopping, the possibilities of of people, for instance, on Yelp that pointed us in the direction of other resources, right? The possibilities of moving forward into ways we had not even seen before Because we were willing not to play the blame game, we were willing to put aside our complaining and instead started focusing on what the goal was. The other part of my talk today is courting possibilities. How do we actually court? How do we? put ourselves in a frame of mind so that we can see those other possibilities, so that we can more easily put aside the ideas of blame and shame and outrageousness and instead open our hearts, if you will, even when the going is rough, to better ways of being. And I called it courting the possibilities. And courting, you'll know, is kind of an old word, isn't it? We don't use the word courting that much. And so I went to the authoritymatch.com and uh, I thought I would share with you the difference between courting and dating. So courtship is, a, this is right from match.com, by the way, in, in case, you know, you need a greater authority about relationships than that. So courtship is a word to describe the activities that occur when a couple is past the dating stage and in a more committed area of their relationship. It happens be, generally before the couple becomes engaged or married and is usually meant to describe a relationship with marriage or a permanent commitment as an end goal. Dating has a more informal connotation and it implies that the couple is not necessarily exclusive or a level of permanence. Okay? So dating kind of we will see what happens. more like we know what's going to happen. We're going to be together and we're working out the details, right? I would like to suggest in the least cruel possible way that I can (laughs) that you and I, for the most part, are just dating our own lives. Most of us are just waiting to see what happens. Most of us, am I I right? Am I totally off in left field? A lot of us go into jobs and we see, well, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. We have children and we have that sense of, well, just for today, we'll see how it goes, right? Are we not for great swaths of our lives simply seeing how it goes? If you want the real possibilities to come your way, you need to get engaged to your own life. And by that, I mean you need to have a sense of purpose. You need to have a drive. Think, think of maybe, uh, I, and I don't know, may, maybe some of us don't even go through courtships anymore the way Match.com provides it. But, but imagine you bringing a dozen roses to yourself for no reason at all except to signify I love you and I'm in this for the long haul. That's what I'm asking from you. I'm asking from all of us is that we have an avowed commitment to how we're going to show up in the world. And when we do that, it's the heart opening mechanism that brings all the possibilities. Now, as an example, today, uh, many of us were involved in the MLK uh, Dream Walk and Run in honor of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And more important than that, it raises money for the young entrepreneur uh, part of the North Northeast Business Association, and so I had the honor uh, just roughly a year ago to attend one of their events down at their office, and and it was uh, it was interesting because they had some of their young entrepreneurs there that were talking a little bit about what they were doing in the world, and I and I will tell you some of the people that were there, some of the young people, I I mean I hesitate to pass any kind of judgment on anyone. But I would just say that some of those people, if they walked into a bank and not having some existing account there, which they wouldn't have, or a a bank employee would have just said, I'm not loaning you any money, you know, and it could easily have been just one of many turning down of some young person with a wonderful idea on how they want to transform their life. And so the process of me being there that day was seeing some young people on fire. Have you ever noticed someone who was just on fire or something about it? There was one gentleman, I think he was 18, that had his plan for buying a food truck. And he needed $1,000 to put down on a food truck. And, and he was going to do, I'm pretty sure it was falafels. And I'm not even sure entirely what a falafel is. Yeah, I know someone here will, will help me with that later. But I got to tell you, after he described what he was planning on doing for about five minutes, I had my checkbook out ready to buy the first falafel. Because he was so amazingly committed. To, he'd already picked out what part of town he wanted to be in. He had done a traffic survey of how many cars go by a certain uh, place where they do food courts. And, and this was all because the North Northeast Business Association had this young entrepreneur, and, and they were going to go to the bank with him to, so that he would do a nice presentation around. Okay, so you get the idea of what I'm talking about. If you are on fire about something, people... Will step forward with the opportunities when you are lit up about something and empowered to do a thing or be a thing or promote a thing and people can see it that flame in you is not easily extinguished it goes the extra the extra distance to need to do what it needs to do, and suddenly you have all the people in the world, the universe is backing you up with new ideas. Well, did you think about maybe renting a food cart at first? Did you think about maybe getting a used food cart, uh, food cart instead of, right? It's like suddenly people want to help you. The universe is friendlier because you are on fire. One last example of this. So two Sundays ago, um, I had a little chance to visit with a, a young man uh, upstairs in, in youth church. I, th- I would say he was seven or eight. And as I sometimes do, I put children on the spot. And I said, uh, so w- uh, what do you think will be coming uh, up next for you in a few years? Now, I don't say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because I think that's kind of a crazy talk in a way, because I haven't grown up yet. But, <laughs> but, but I did say, so how do you, you know, what do you see that's ahead for you? And his face lit up, and he said, I'm going to be a daddy and, and what was amazing, right, I mean, in adult terms, we would be like, well, that's kind of nothing, like half of the human race turns into daddies without, without even a lot of forethought if you're not careful, right? <laughs> but, but, so, 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 so I, I asked another clarifying question, I said, and what would that be like? And he, he was on fire. He said, "Well, we're going to go fishing together, and and I'm going to and 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 uh, I'm going to I'm going to take my boy to the amusement park." And and it was interesting because part of it I think was his dream of what he would like to do maybe with his dad, but the other half of it was just the sincere desire to give another young person the time of a life. And I had to, once again, I felt enrolled. It's like, would you be my father? In a way. I mean, absolutely, in a way. And what happens to those dreams? What happens to that level of fire? Now, the North Northeast Business Association are rekindling it in their young entrepreneurs. But what can we do to rekindle some of those dreams that we had, some of those ways of being. And it doesn't have to be something complicated. I'm not talking about a dream of being an opera singer, although it could be that. It could be that. But it could be something really simple, like being the best father on the planet, really turning on my children to life and the joy of living and and peace and freedom of all of that. It doesn't need to be something complicated, but how can I... Turn on that level of intensity. I think the easy answer is courting yourself. You're not in this life just to see what happens. How do you bring yourself a dozen roses? How do you stoke the fire of, of a of a dream that you might have? You know, the other thing that we're celebrating, of course, today with the MLK Dream Run is Martin Luther Jr.'s dream of peace and equality and and civil rights in this country of ours. And, you know, recently I know we have a ways to go but the dream is still alive and we can still get fired up by that dream we can still put aside the the downward spiral of uh complaining and uh, and blame calling and say what do I stand for in this area Am I going to be part of the MLK run? Am I, am I, you know, going to, going to participate in some way that's meaningful for what I stand for? Can I muster a little energy around some of my dreams, some of the the dreams of making this planet safe and loving? See, I think we can. Well, you know me. You know you're stuck with some homework. And I have to tell you this homework may be a little harder than usual. Because the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to go through an entire week without criticizing and blaming. All right? And, the, and, and you might think that's the hardest, just wait. <laughs> Part two is I want you to pick an area in your life and build the fire in it again. Whether it's about a relationship that's gone stale, whether it's a a job that you feel you're poorly suited to, whether it's, um, gosh, I don't know, you name it, your living situation or whatever it is, I want you to look beyond the things that are wrong and build some passion up around it. What do you see yourself doing in your career? Not not the stink, stinky bits that aren't going well, but what's the dream of your career? What's the dream of your marriage? What's the, the dream of raising your children or or uh, interacting with your community? What's your, what's your dream about equality and civil rights in this country? You pick an area in your life, something that you want to stand for, and stoke the fire. Do something positive. Be creative and, and as, you, as you develop that dream, as you, as you pronounce yourself capable and wonderful and here's what I'm going to do, watch the world respond. It doesn't just happen to young entrepreneurs. It happens to anyone that stokes the fire of their own beliefs and their own dreams. So that's your homework for this week. No complaining, no blaming, and building a fire under something that's important to you. I'm going to close today with a a quote. uh, In fact, it's the very end of this book called The Art of Possibility. Remember how we used to dream as children of the delicious freedom and power of being a grown-up, and yet... Somehow that dream vanished along the way and we became energized only here and there, only by a job well done, a spirited gathering, or an occasional week in the sun. Now we know that all of life is made up. We know that we're in charge of our own lives so now that we know it's all invented, let's revise this sad story. Let's just say that somewhere along the journey, we carried too much, we slipped too often, or we heard too many voices in our head, and we wandered away from, the, from our own dream. The possibility we saw so, so clearly as children simply got lost in that downward spiral. We forgot the promise of our birth. We shrug our shoulders. We say, how fascinating. And then we look around. This day, these people in your life, a baby's cry, an upcoming meeting, a marriage, a passing. Suddenly they seem neither good nor bad, but they shine forth brilliantly as life happening. Awake, be restored the dream is revived and the possibilities of life are once again at hand. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one joy, one grand purpose. I, I call it God, but, but it goes by so many names. Allah, the divine one, the universe, the divine feminine. Regardless of what you call it, it is truly everything and everywhere. And speaking on behalf of it, I know it's singing the song of my life, that my life is included in the one life. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here, part of the dream of the universe. Each person here, the ability to draw forth their, their own delight at what's going on. The, the passion of being and giving and doing. This, this is life. And so I stand as a loving witness to the fires rekindled in this room. I stand as a loving witness to the the good that we can accomplish as individuals and as part of this loving community. And I am grateful. Grateful for all of life. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much.